Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's Richard Bellelli's March Conversation with topics ranging far and wide, including Izzy finds something as good as Conan? Danielle dreams of being a traitor? Is the future of pay-per-view topless duels with swords? Things are harder when the heat is on. Embarrassed Nazis, dragging yourself to the pool, and don't forget or be afraid to let those who you love know that you love them. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dallas podcast begins now. Welcome back to another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas podcast, episode 131. As always, across from me sits Mr. Daniele Bolelli. Welcome to another show. Yes, indeed. We are going to be, there's going to be some funny stories in this one. Absolutely. So let's go play. And it's even, I would dare to say positive on multiple notes. We so, tried. Yes. So good stuff. Let's get the ball rolling by saying thank you to our sweet um, supply delivering sponsors. We got Datsusara with the bags both Rich and I carry every single day. And not just bags, you know, I got my... I've been testing the limits of the Datsusara wallet by stuffing it with like 10,000 different things. And it's like the biggest wallet on the planet by now, by the way I stretched it, but it still works. So that's quite impressive. And they have a bunch of other things. So check out the DS Gear website for the good stuff. On it, there's a link in the episode notes that give you an automatic discount. Um, so I think you get 10% on all the supplements or something like that. So if you want to check out on it products i've been uh, for the last probably year or two i've been on uh, ever since they released the alpha brain in powder i'm a fan today i'm recording like we're doing this on a thursday thursday is usually the day where it's kind of like closer to the end of the week i've been working ragged i have a really long day today at long beach where i teach at calcet long beach till 10 p.m so there's almost unfeelingly i have my early afternoon alpha brain moment and uh and that one uh, keeps me through the day, man. It works, and I like it. And of course, sure design T-shirt. That guess what? That's what I'm wearing right now. In particular, I'm wearing one of our Drunken Taoist, the Nietzsche one at this moment. Check out ours. They are glorious. Check out sure design. Equally glorious. Shout out. Always to uh, um, the nice folks sponsoring Savannah, Never Tap Gear. Um, I really like this thing because my knees are not what they used to be. So I like the fact that these guys produce high quality um, knee braces that you can wear when you work out. So provide more stability to the joint, less likely to pop in horrible ways. So check them out. And as I mentioned before, a friend of mine has a gym here in LA where Savannah goes to train. I'll put a link in the episode notes if you want to try jujitsu or Muay Thai, boxing, MMA, some of that stuff. You can get a discount with this guide by mentioning the Drunken Taoist. Having said all this, let's roll. Dream time, everybody. What have we got cooked up today? 
Uh, this is an old one, and I think I may even mention it, but I want to take it in a very different direction. So even if we did mention it way back in the day, maybe I I was playing with, um, I think this was a result of thinking about the episodes I just released for History on Fire, where there are two back-to-back episodes. They are really part of the same giant episode, but we decided to split it in two. So there's uh, episode 32A, it's me telling the story of the Sand Creek Massacre in 1864. And then 32B is Daryl Cooper from Martyr Made Podcast talking about the Milai Massacre in 1968. And the reason for even going in that very dark territory is not so much, you know, darkness for darkness sake, is more of an exploration of human psychology. It's like, what is the make one guy when they are ordered to go shoot a three-year-old one guy say yes sir that's what i'm gonna do and somebody else instead is gonna stand up and say are you fucking kidding me that's not what we do that's not who we are and so i was fascinated with this this is also i think the next episode of history on fire that's what the discussion like so far we just told the stories and the next one is where we try to draw the conclusions of this and like look at why what is that play in the human mind what is that lead to both these horrible things as well as the heroic reaction of people who just don't go along with the program. So, you know, that's what interests me about it. And that got me thinking about some a dream that I had as a kid that still remembers, obviously, was a big enough deal in my psyche. Because the question about these things is that anytime you hear these stories that are so nasty and so ugly, the question there is always, you know, most people think they would never do it. And just statistically speaking, that's just not true because the fact is high numbers of people go along with whatever they are commanded to do. High numbers of people go with the program. So, But it's always have the defense, I was ordered to do that. Yeah, but high numbers is not everybody. Yeah. So the question is, you know, what... So back to this dream, I guess. I remember as a kid waking up really feeling horrible about myself because I had this dream that there was some kind of weird political revolution or some Pol Pot kind of thing where and uh, the the new rulers were basically asking me to testify against my parents and kind of point the finger and say yes they did this and that and whatever their crime was and I remember me as a kid and I really probably was I don't know Isabella's age or something I was probably eight years old six years old seven years old somewhere around there me saying just going along and testifying against my parents and saying yes they were and you know I adore my parents and they were good to me and in daily life I was and so I remember when I woke up I thought what the fuck did they drag him out and put him up against the wall no uh, but you know it's kind of I don't know, my mind... Nothing even, good was going to happen. No, nothing good was going to happen. So I was just... Exactly. What that dream was was about some serious issues with myself in terms of I clearly didn't trust myself as my... You know, I didn't... I didn't believe in myself as far as me being a strong person. I clearly could be molded into something ugly. Could just... My weakness could be pushed around in a way that... And okay, you know, you're eight years old, so it's understandable. But still... When I woke up with that, I was like, holy hell, that's the one thing I don't want to be in life. I don't want to be this weak. I don't want to be so easy to push around, to be molded by circumstances, by fate, by the people around me, by all of that. And that, I think, is what was interesting because, you know, unless you make a very conscious decision that you draw a clear line in the sand about who you are and who you want to be and how you want to act, then life is a way of molding you in whichever way the forces around you want to shape you, they will. And if you're lucky, the forces around you are pleasant and good and you become a nice human being. But if you're not lucky, you don't. You know, it's kind of the reason why, think about how weird it is, back in 1830, overwhelming majority of people in large parts of the United States thought there was no problem with slavery. Slavery was just fine. If you say the same thing today, you're seen as a complete batshit crazy person and there's a very small minority who would argue that that was fine. Depends on who you're hanging out with, though. D- depends who you But I think there is a, a critical mass that you reach that once you there's enough consensus... I mean, even like people who are seriously racist today, way racist, don't want to say they are racist. No, 
because they don't want to be called out. That's why we're in a strange time, because now they're emboldened. And left and right, you see these right. people. See the woman just the other day, middle school teacher, who's got a super racist white uh, power podcast. Uh-huh. And she was bringing some of that indoctrination oh, into yeah. her classroom. Of course, of course. See, so they're but, there. But that's what the critical mass that I'm referring to is that even, I mean, I saw an interview, this was hilarious, a dude who was a member of the American Nazi party who had the Hitler statues in his house. He didn't want to call himself a Nazi. And I'm like, dude, you're as Nazi as anybody gets. And the thing is, there's a point where you like don't want to admit it to yourself because it's become unpopular enough uh, with mass number of people that you need to tweak it just a little, whereas in a different circumstances, you're completely unapologetic about it. It's like, this is how it is. This is, yes, of course I am, and this is what I believe. Well, wait till the Siri soul readers come out, and you can just put it in front. Oh, my, look at that. Yeah, that's where you actually see what... But I thought it was interesting, because that's the thing, that people are so molded by their surroundings by the people they hang out with, by what's considered socially acceptable. Of course. <clears throat> by authority, which is what these cases are about. You know, some strong authority with, with veiled threats let you know, get along with the program or else. And people are like, okay, you know, the boss told me so, so I need to do it. And that's why I'm really, like in some sense, the shame that I felt from a dream like that when I was a kid, that sense of shame of like, really, this is who I am? You know, I go to the movies, I watch all these hero stories and they are amazing and that's how I want to be and then I fall asleep and this is what I dream. I'm the weak asshole in the story, not the hero. I don't like that very much. Purely a cautionary tale. Yeah, but it's a useful cautionary oh, yeah, tale. Sure. Kind of remind you, hey, unless you do the work, unless you really straighten yourself out in terms of who you want to be and you are... Because it's easy to say it when you are pumped up after watching the movie or it's easy to say because everybody wants that sort of I want to be the hero of the story. It's a little harder when the pressure is on. It's a little harder when it doesn't look as glamorous. There's a lot of stuff that you can lose by doing the right thing. Yeah. And and that's where it becomes hard work. That's why it's the hero story. It's not the, oh, I feel like being popular story. No, it's the hero story. The hero story is doing hard shit. It's being able to step up when it's not comfortable to step up. But you're always going to have to answer to that guy in the mirror. Yep. And, you know, I guess there's plenty of people that don't mind it. Yep. There's always a way to rationalize it. But I think that's why for me it's important to do preventive work. You know, if... If the time when you face yourself is when shit is hitting the fan, it's a bit too late. A bit too late. Because the pressure, you're not going to be ready for that pressure. The pressure is going to be too much and it's going to push in ways that completely. If on the other end, you do that on a regular basis, like being very clear about, hey, is this the way I want to be? Is this, uh, is, does this reflect really my principle? Does this reflect the, then it's a little easier to withstand the pressure. It's kind of like building muscle. You know, you have been training, you have been put on some muscle by doing progressively harder weights, and then then maybe you can withstand that pressure. Say like with your Captain America barbell plates. Exactly. That was a little plug I dropped in right there. Those were glorious. I got, uh, yeah, on its end, Captain America. That's actually what I was planning to do this morning, but then we decided, okay, let's record an episode. Uh, maybe I'll still squeeze the time. I want to just go out in the garden and lift some weights because that makes me feel manly. And uh, no, man, and that's besides makes me feel manly. It's uh, even that, you know, it's like exercise is a great, funny that you brought it up because that is a segue in that sense. There is a, exercise is great in terms of like the times when you actually feel like training are few and far between. And so that thing where you last thing you want to do is work out and you know it's good for you. You know it's going to make you feel good, but you just have to overcome this laziness, this 10,000 justification, this feeling of like, I don't want to do that shit. And so that ability to just override the lowest instincts in yourself and go like, no, I know this is good for me. I know this is going to feel good. It's going to make me so just shut up. Um, just willpower and discipline, you go and you do it. And then when you do it, you feel so much better. You're like, oh, man. There's <sighs> no question about it. Dragging your ass to the swimming pool is the hardest thing in the world. But after you get that first two minutes going, it's like, what was I thinking? Exactly. And then when you get out, you feel better for the rest yeah, of the day. That's the gig. 
So yeah, that's right there is character building. You know, even something that's a little less on the intellectual side of lets me look about who I want to be and what my principles are. That's just a very action-oriented thing. But those are principles in action. Those are, you know, ideals they are applying through your body. They are making happen without necessarily philosophizing about them too much, but you're doing it. So that right there, exercise, I think, is one of the coolest things that anybody can do, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's swimming, whether it is whatever that may be. There right there, start building character, start building toughness. Now, that's just one step you need also to apply to, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who do that who then are really weak mind-wise, and they can they have discipline, but their discipline is not put to the service of something greater. They are just still being told what to do, and if that person telling them what to do is an asshole, they will behave like assholes. So you've been studying history for a long time. Humans repeatedly very disappointing. But then at the same time, we've got amazing art, yep. music, things like that. We definitely do care for our kids. I think the problem is we don't care for other people's kids. Yeah. Do you think do you think we make it through or is this just going to be a failed experiment and maybe the the bees will do a better job? I mean, over the long course as as the weapons get more and more dangerous, it just seems more and more likely that somebody's going to do something really stupid. I mean, you would have thought after World War II, never again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. didn't do a goddamn thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are people who are, I, I don't necessarily believe in the evil of human beings, but I, what I do believe in is the um, weakness. Weakness. And gullibility. Yeah, slash stupidity of lots of human beings. Like the average person is not an evil person. The average person is weak though. And that's part of the problem, that there's weakness then from weakness. Weakness is not evil, but from weakness, evil can be born or can be empowered. And so that is the problem I see. Is like, I think that's why even in the Milai Sankrit kind of debate, I'm interested in extraordinary individual because the ordinary is kind of again, just gonna do it okay yeah, the ordinary is too <laughs> it's too easy to push around and the extraordinary individual i have a tremendous trust in you know there are lots of amazing individuals that i have nothing but respect for and i think there's something great there about being human and humanity but in terms of numbers percentage wise that's clearly not the majority or even close so that's you know in terms of a numbers game while there will always be amazing human beings around who you can count on to do the right thing time and time again there are a few who are screwed up and there's the majority in the middle who just can be pushed it's like a flag in the wind it can be pushed any which way i'm reading a book right now about a guy who was raised in the 50s yep and granted this is for white america i mean of everybody course. else yeah but in the 50s, if you went to Des Moines or somewhere, they had different diners. Mm -hmm. Usually department <clears throat> stores would be regional, maybe eight or ten sure. of them over a piece. And this insanity of this, you know, there's a McDonald's and a Walmart and a Macy's mm -hmm. everywhere. And all that goes to one family instead of where you would have a middle class where even the boss, he was doing okay, mm -hmm. but he wasn't so far above everybody. I think that's a danger of a level. I mean, other than like the pharaohs, maybe Roman era, medieval yeah. kings. <clears throat> what is the end game of those power structures? When it, it, the people eventually have have enough, right? Well, I'm not necessarily sure that people eventually have enough because that's the. Um, I mean, if you look at lots of these places, the goal was not change the system. The goal was how do I get to be at the top, mm. and it's like. As long as I'm the guy at the top, all is good. And if I'm not the guy at the top, maybe I can still work to get to the top. And there's that illusion sometime. It's not an easy one because uh, it's pretty obvious what the problem is. You know, the problem is huge and, you know, it's not very good. What the solutions are, it's a little trickier, you know, because, you know, there have been a lot of like great idealistic ideologies that have pushed. How do we create a more and, you know, and, that and way. you guys go first. Yeah. Or, or I mean, like, look at like the whole history of communism, you know, in theory is tackling a real problem, monstrous social inequalities, monstrous poverty versus the ultra rich. That that's a real deal. 
when you look at what communism has produced around the world, it's you the go exact like, same thing. holy shit, this is even worse than They're the problem. They're better you at know? it. Exactly. So it's, it's tricky because, I mean, the problem is there. There's no argument, right? The, what the solution is, it's a lot harder to figure out. You know, and I think that's part of the trick of this, that like there are a lot of systems that are not great. The point is, what's the alternative? It's kind of like the same way why sometimes you see, like when you look at politics, you see shitty politicians winning time and time again. And you're like, how can anybody be this stupid to vote for this guy? Yeah. But then you look at what the alternatives are and you're like, okay, I mean, yeah, that's still a shitty choice. That's still not the one I would make, but I can kind of see that in a situation where you don't really have too many good choices, why the more colorful shitty choice went up winning, you know? Because when you have so many people struggling, though, you, you end with this bottom rung that will do anything mm -hmm. to get over on somebody just so they can have the tiniest win. Of course. And then, oh, well, there, you would be punished for that. And it just rolls over and... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some days I just like, why even be optimistic that we're decent? Because you might as well just get to stealing and robbing like everybody else. But then there's the, um, you know, at a social level, yeah, good luck finding optimism. But at an individual level, you're going to run into a ton of human beings who are kind, who yes. are sweet, who are good. Who, so, you know, it's it's both. It's both at the same time. You know, clearly finding a solution to social problems is a hundred times harder than finding it within an individual contest or your own microcosm. But the real solution yeah. is not that fucking complicated. Right. Learn to share. Learn to, you know, why does anyone yeah, deserve but like, $20 billion in the bank when somebody doesn't have any food to eat? Sure, but the part that gets tricky is how exactly, you know, because of course... With like, my fucking hatchet, man! Well, no, because the problem is, like, look at government, right? Government is... Uh, Waste, lack of stealing, government that, yeah. is awful. Government is awful. So it's like... Almost 70% of the money ends up in the wrong hands. Can you so, believe that? Between, it's you know, from a lady cheating with her yeah, food stamps of course. to these fucking insanity... The military has a storage facility for $7 billion worth of shit that they bought that they didn't need. Mm -hmm. No, and I think that's the problem. That is like... Just trying to get my CNN you, self out. <laughs> how do you do it? You know, because it's like the... Um, that goes back to like how exactly... What exactly is the right plan? And that's where it gets shitty because it's not that clear how you play it well. And experiment after experiment to play it well have failed. So then you go like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. That's why to me it's like... Decent people wouldn't allow this to happen. Yeah. So it's clear. Um, no, I mean, of course, the game is any power game, anything where there's a power and wealth. Uh, it's not... Somebody who's going to learn to play the game really well, it's not really in their best interest then to be in the... It's like, hey, I won the game. Why should I be now in the position of working for everybody else who has... My hatchet again. But that's... I think that's part of what makes this whole thing really tricky. Like, politically, sometimes I get really... Like, I notice on Facebook, social media and stuff, I try to resist more and more to get into political discussions because there's... They are usually vicious with no good solutions where, you know, we can argue about which bad solutions we're going to endorse, but as, find, as far as finding a good solution where it's like, oh, this would work, it's like, yeah, but no, you know? It's like, and that's why to me it's like you see failed experiment in history after failed experiment with different systems. I trust individual human beings. You know, give me an absolute monarchy, right? The worst possible, like not exactly a very good system, Give me an absolute monarchy when uh, Dan Carling got to be the absolute monarch, and I'm cool with it. You know? have execution like... before the first day was over. <laughs> with the fucking Just for the pliers. entertainment. To, yeah. Let's pull some tendons out with, with hot pinchers. But, I've been wanting to see that for a long time. You know, I'm... Uh, yeah, I think I trust individuals more than I trust systems. It's tough, man. This past year, just to watch incompetence slosh around mm -hmm. and just destroy everything in its wake. But I mean, I saw like the Italian elections, for example. Oh, man, it's how hilarious about Because they, they all suck, you know? It's like, that Berlusconi, he got busted for fraud. He's ineligible to even run. And even though technically he couldn't run, he probably would have won had he run. You know, all the polls 
balls you are putting him ahead. And why? Because his opponents suck just as much and they are not even funny. Berlusconi, at least you laugh. You know what I mean? Not that you laugh in a, like, haha, he's a good guy. But there's some entertainment in a President Camacho kind of way, you know, like from idiocracy. Uh, the other guys are just as mediocre without the flair. And so you're like, okay, great, you know. It's, and emboldened once again. Yeah. The, 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 the fascists are back. Of course. And I think that too is like that rise of fascism, which is clearly happening in places like Italy. And a lot of it is people in an uncertain world, people crave uh, security. Now, the reality of fascism is that it doesn't really give you security, but it gives you the appearance of security. You know, it gives you this sense of like, I'm a strong man and I'm going to take care of business. And you look at the popularity of these guys from, you know, the dictator in the Philippines to Putin to, you know, the whole range of, it's something that appeals to human beings. You know, we probably know better historically that those are, they never end up well, but that, that appeal, you know, is like lots of people have that issues. Lots of people need somebody who appears strong and confident to tell them we got it under control. I have the solution. I'll take care of you. It's an appealing kind of thing. That's why dictators are popular. That's why religious cults are popular. That's why gangs are popular. That's why there's that sense of belonging, that sense of security, that sense that there's somebody in charge who knows what they are doing and they are tough. And it's all bullshit. It's all image. But nonetheless, it, it sells. But who would ever dreamed in 2018 people are dusting off the eugenics books again? I mean, yeah. it's just like yeah. the oldies but the goodies... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have a dream, and it doesn't contain any of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, yeah, we can do without that part. about the moment growing like a weed yes indeed um let's go play with isabella moment so a couple of media related isabella things so for one isabella has discovered video games uh -oh. so no she's not super crazy about it but she enjoys it when she plays it well, yeah. so we spent a morning uh, a few days ago where she survived an orc ambush in lord of the rings while entering the gates of moria that's a good one she uh, won the soccer world cup and she has kazushi sakuraba she armbarred and leg locked all the competition so she was uh, she played a soccer game, an MMA game, and a Lord of the Rings game. I remember those FIFA games being good twenty years ago. They must be amazing now. You know, um, this is the sad status of the situation. Discovering video games for her, the point is she doesn't know any better, and all that there is around is a PlayStation Two from way back in the day. That's probably the same so game. So that's yeah, exactly. So it's uh, I think we are played. Uh, Soccer World Cup 1990 something or no, like no, exactly or something like that. So yeah, but who cares? It's fun, you know. It's like man, I I had a blast playing Pac-Man as a kid, and I probably would still play Pac-Man. So it's like yeah, it's a uh, it's fun to get all the extra cool technological stuff. Oh, speaking of which, I saw an awesome thing. Sorry, this is gonna That's be okay. an Isabella moment that goes in meanders in other direction. I saw um. Um, the guys who do Assassin's Creed, yes. they did this one uh, thing where it's the game. There's no game; it's just the world of Assassin's Creed, where you can explore and there's like a whole historical thing where you know you are interacting with. The, there's none of the every no three seconds required. you need to kill somebody. It's more of a history lesson where oh, they wow. use that word, like the because they do such an amazing job recreating all the little details of what life was like then, and they are pretty realistic about it that they figure, hmm, that part bothered me. This is an idea I had like seven years ago and I tried desperately to get it going, but I was like, man, Assassin's Creed is perfect. You can turn it into a history lesson. 
and apparently that's exactly what they are doing now so good for them that was a if i may say so myself a genius idea but i'm sure i wasn't the only one ideas it. getting stolen left and right i don't my card guards were stolen by star trek bastards i know somebody stole it yeah and it, not that anybody would listen to find out but in my case i'm not so sure i'm sure somebody else had another idea but it's great i thought it was uh that's a cool concept because i really think that Assassin's Creed has taught history to more people than and better than any college course. <laughs> uh, most of the time, I mean, it's like you are in that world. You get a first word, first person perspective in what's going on. It's it's pretty cool. So in any case, but speaking of first person perspective, yeah. we went to the Getty Villa. How oh, is it? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is a great recreation of a, a Roman villa. Somebody who's doing really well back then. Yeah, uh, when they weren't kidna- getting kidnapped in Italy and having their ears cut off. One of the Gettys had, uh, was, he was kidnapped oh, right. by an Italian gang and had one of his ears. They weren't quick enough about paying, so they decided to chop off one of his ears and send it in the mail to let people know. That was the Kevin Spacey movie that he was re- re- removed from. Yeah. All the money in the world is that oh, story. Oh, is that about the Getty thing? Yeah, and uh, old Grandpa Getty was like, fuck it, I ain't paying. <laughs> Is it, what, what, is, what is he worth? Nothing to me. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why? They just didn't get I don't know. It? I don't know. He just didn't, he wasn't going to be blackmailed like that. Wow. I have not seen the film, but uh, that is the story that it follows. That's a lovable tale. I thought one thing, you know, the recreation of, of the villa is pretty impressive. And you step into these big atriums and, you know, hanging mm-hmm. in like water would come in and fill. And it was like, oh, very well set up. Odd, though. Seem to be a lot of little American seven-year-olds running around, and I didn't think you would find that in Rome. No, not quite. Like busloads of them. Yeah, well, you know. Luckily, like, we got there early before the buses totally arrived. But yeah, it's like, what do we do with the kids today? Uh, let's take her to the. They don't give a life. shit. No, of course not. Their favorite part was all the dicks on the statues. They I'm got sure. a pretty good kick out of that. I'm sure. And uh, the statues were amazing. I mean, it's amazing yeah. to look at. Like that's thirty-two hundred years old. Yep. Somebody carved that 3,200 years ago and it managed to survive all this time. Yeah, you know, as ridiculous as it sounds, I've never been to the Gatti Villa. I've been, um, or is the villa the one on Sunset or the one? Uh, yeah, it's the one back on, on the PCH right around Sunset. Okay, yeah, it's uh, funny. I think, I, no, maybe that's the one I went to, but I'm talking about 20 plus years ago. Uh, well, I was expecting Pompeii, like, archaeological archaeological dig, and it right. wasn't that at all. It was just, like, this great representation. Oh, and it had, like, its own amphitheater, yeah. probably 20 rows high. Right. So I got to do friends, countrymen, you know? That was nice. They should also get uh, gladiators to make it well, a little absolutely. more realistic. Just rough up the yeah. crowd a little bit. Straighten those kids out. Yeah, make yeah. all that damn noise while I'm trying to or enjoy the a 27-year-old penis. Uh, yeah. Or the seven-year-old. They would volunteer to do it. That would have fun. They liked butts pretty well, too. There's no, but, you know, really if you well hand a sword to each, uh, to each seven-year-old, they would gladly partake. I'm sure they would. The, um, yes, on that joyful note. The, um, on another media thing. Yeah. The, um, I wa- did you ever watch Logan, the end of the Wolverine tale? Oh. <clears throat> Logan, what, what have you done? What have you done, Logan? <laughs> I thought uh, I thought he got ripped off. I thought uh, John Luc Picard deserved a Best Supporting Actor for that, which they he did awesome. not get. They are really good, and like, they did get um, Best uh, Adapted Screenplay, but they did not win. So they did get hmm. nominated for the movie. I thought that movie was excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny. I had it. Uh, this is the current sad status of my schedule. I had it in my bag as a DVD, ready to watch mm-hmm. for the last six months. With the idea, you know, I'm going to find two hours to watch it. And eventually six months in, I'm like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. I still don't have two hours to watch it. But hey, Is you want to watch it with me? At least I can combine parenting duties with watching Logan. Barely. And uh, a lot of lot of stabbing in that movie. Yeah, that part never bothered her. I had to, <laughs> you know, the violence never really bugged her. I mean, even when she started watching, you know, Lord of the Rings, the orcs, heads flying, that part never bugged her. It's more the emotions that bother her about stuff. So, it was tough. So I had to warn her ahead, you know, spoiler alert, he dies, you know. So there's, once she was okay, say, hey, are you okay with that? You know that that's what's going to happen. Are you okay with watching it? Being properly warned, then she was cool with it. 
and she just loved it to death. She was like, I want to watch it again and again and again and again and again some more. And um, and I dug it too. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It was interesting for me too because that's exactly the character that for whatever reason I've always related a little too much to. You know, epic but heartbroken, that kind of a vibe. And and for the first time ever, I was watching it. And I mean, yeah, I know those emotions. I know the feeling. I know everything about that character. But I did not have the same degree of 110% identification. And not because they weren't doing a good job with the character, because they did. Yeah. Because I think I've changed. Because something which is a, probably a really healthy thing for me, that I don't... I don't feel bound to that kind of life, to that kind of role, to this sense of amazing, powerful, epic, but sad and tragic and heartbroken. I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, I don't feel like all those characters. There's always kind of a degree of loneliness, heavy loneliness that characterized them. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel that way no more. And it's probably the first time in my life that I don't feel that way no more. So I'm like, okay, that's a good thing. You know, um, why don't I relate the same way I did? And I was like, he said, I think I'm happier than, uh, than I've been. And I was like, this is really surprisingly healthy. So watching Logan was a really interesting check of where I'm at with who but I am today. And you're in a I'm nice at. spot, man. You're surrounded by a bunch of great yeah. people, you know, and we all know the sadness will be by again yeah. sooner or later, mm -hmm. but overall, there's not a lot to complain about. That's the thing, I think. I was like, you know, I'm happy with the relationship I have with Isabella. I'm happy with the relationship I have with Savannah. I'm happy to, uh, even like I fought with her a lot, but I'm happy to have my mom close by. I'm happy to have things where I'm like, you know what? I have no reason to bitch. No, have, your dad uh, pops by quite a bit. Yeah, and I feel like, you know what? The stuff I do is, I mean, my days are filled to the brim, but they are filled with good stuff for the most part, even the stuff that's not the ideal, like you were asking me before we started recording about teaching and how if I still feel like it. And I clearly, you know, after whatever long, 17 years in, I'm a little less excited to walk into the classroom, but it's still not a bad gig, you know? Like I never want to go, but once I'm there, I'm usually having fun. You know, once I'm in the classroom, it's not a bad gig at all. And so, I'm just like, man, just shut the fuck up. Life is good. You don't need to. And I mean, the thing that's fun is that life was probably good at other moments as well. But for whatever reason, that archetype always owned me. I was just drawn Couldn't to Couldn't appreciate it, like, it while you're in the midst of it. You know, moth to the fire kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I was just. And now, again, I was watching it and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly to a T that archetype. But I don't relate the same way. And I was like, this is surprisingly healthy. So it was uh, was cool for me too. You know, it was kind of cool to watch it with Isabella and see horror getting excited about the story and everything. But it was also cool for me to realize, yeah, I don't think I'm the same person that I was a while ago. I think things have changed and not in a bad way. So it was, um, you know, out of a pretty heavy movie that can get really sad, I was actually feeling really happy at the end of it because it was I, something that made me realize about myself. Did you guys take her to Wonder Woman? Um, she watched it with somebody. She like it? Uh, she did. She did. It's a good um, year for ass kicking women. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen that one. I mean, that's the thing. I like. I really don't watch much of it. like that movie. Logan, I enjoyed. Is a rare case of something that I actually watch from beginning to end. There are so many times when I want to watch something for myself and five minutes in, I'm like, okay, I don't have the time for this shit. Let me watch it at double speed, skimming through the subtitles. Because I'm like, I kind of want to know what it's about, but this is not, it's not fun enough to make it worth two hours. So that is, Logan was a very pleasant exception to that. So it's always nice to be surprised. Yeah. But when it came out like a year ago or something. Oh, yeah. You, it was like this time last right. maybe like year March and a half ago. Year. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I got to watch it. Was it was one of my so. favorite ones last year for sure. Yeah. 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 Totally. We went through a, 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 a bad rut of just shitty ones. Netflix snuck this movie on. They did a, a ad during the Super Bowl about uh, Cloverfield Paradox, these Cloverfield movies. Uh huh. And they're like, available now on Netflix. Like, right. So nobody even knew about it to available. Yeah. 
He was the biggest turd, man. It was really? been dumped off. Somebody, I think Paramount or somebody's like, uh oh, uh, let someone buy this from us and just not that good, huh? Just terrible. Yeah, it happens. It what does I, happen. What have I been watching? Wheaties, actually. So it's still related because that's the only thing I don't watch. Wheaties is Game of Thrones. That's about it. Yeah. Other than that, is all if I'm watching TV is because I'm watching it with Isabella. What did she want? Oh, she's got into Marvel stuff. So she has been watching, uh, what did she watch? She watched Luke Cage. She watched uh, Iron Fist. Uh, Iron Fist, everybody said it sucked horribly. So I was ready for that. And I was like, ah, it doesn't suck that bad. You know, yeah, it's not the best thing ever, but it's not. And actually it had a really, in some way, in fact, I'm more interested in the effect that things have than in the actual quality. And regardless of Iron Fist, which I didn't think it was as bad as many people say, but yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing ever. It had an awesome effect because uh, Isabella watching, she got into it more than I did. And watching all the scenes of training and the idea of, you know, you got to work hard to get good at anything. Uh, so she, for the first time, was asking me, like, okay, I want to train a little. Can you teach me some martial arts? And, you know, I never wanted to push her because I'm like, it's the classic thing that you are into something, so you push your kids into it, and then they hate it forever, right? Yep. So I was like, took her with me a couple of times. She didn't really dig it. So I was like, eh, it's fine. You don't need to. That's for later. And then this time, because she got into it, I was like, okay, but then you want it, right? And so you need to be motivated because it's not me making you do something. And and she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's still shy, so she didn't want to join a class and she wants to kind of play with me where I teach her stuff and show her things. And I'm like, that's fine. That's not a problem. So we started and, you know, she pretty religiously got down, does her push-ups, start doing cartwheels to keep her gymnastics up. I teach her a little boxing, does a few. She loves to play in uh, perfect Iron Fist Kung Fu style. She <laughs> likes the big long stick, play with that. And, and I was like, this is a lot of fun. This is something that I can do with her and that would have never happened probably had we not watched that show. So that's another win, you know, that's not a bad gig. I'd hold her off on the Punisher. Yeah, you know what, I I got a little over enthusiastic with she likes Marvel stuff and, you know, Iron Fist was okay. Luke Cage begin to push the envelope. It's a little heavier and a little, but it was still okay. You know, we're still good. What's the Miss Jones? Yeah, Jessica Jones. We started. I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't read yeah. about it. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, we were like, yeah, that's a bad idea. Her superpower seems to be her clothes come off easily. Yeah. And beside that, I mean, it's just sad. It's yes. so heavy. And so, oh, the like, in the first. The same. It's so sad. In the first episode, there's some majorly sad, twisted, fucked up stuff. And so Isabella was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's. Uh, we we had the voice of truth coming from upstairs with Savannah saying, you guys really watching that? That's not a good idea. And I was like, yep, you're exactly right. It's not a good idea. And Isabella agreed. So It's great was, to have the voice of truth around. Yeah, the voice of truth never fails. And um, so, yeah, that one was too much. That one was like, nope, no Jessica Jones. But and on another front, if you guys have never watched this one, I watched it with Ease and she was in heaven. She... Um, have you ever seen Girl Fight? That was uh, Michelle Rodriguez's debut uh, as an actress. It was. Uh, it's done with literally three dollars, probably. It's like really cheap, independent, and you don't even realize it because it's so good. Well, I'd watch Michelle Rodriguez do most anything. So she's amazing, and um, it's a story. It's a story of like Michelle Rodriguez as a teenager kind of getting into boxing and she's, you know, her classic role, angry and edgy and all of it, but she plays it so well. And her journey into boxing, the way, like everything about that movie is a masterpiece, which is funny because it's a, I don't even know what the budget was, but I'm sure it was cheap, independent movie. You do not, when I think about it with a clinical eye, I realize that was a cheap movie, but you don't at all. It could be like, it's, it's total, the way it's written, the way it's shot, Michelle Rodriguez acting, everything is just amazing. And, you know, it's the same kind of story that they've made 72,000 movies about and they suck. Yeah. And this one is just glorious. Uh, Isabella's comment in uh, like the highest form of praise by the end of uh, Girl Fight was like, Let's wow. Let's watch it again. Well, that for sure. But it was also, wow, this is as good as Conan. Whoa, so, look out. You know that when something is as good as Conan, <laughs> you got the good stuff. So, Did you see Creed? 
not. I don't. It's just a. It's a Rocky in his elder years training Apollo yeah. Creed's son. I never got into Rocky. I, well, I'm not the hugest fan, but this was really yeah. well done. Was that? Unexpectedly well done. Really? Yeah. Okay. You, if, I would definitely recommend it. Well, I'll check it out. Because, um, and I think that's the guy that's doing Black Panther now, too. Which really? Is, Same. Uh, apparently, a lot of great, powerful women characters in that as well. Yeah. I haven't seen that one either, but at some point, yeah. Well, I'm going to go be... see it with my Emily. She's coming into town next weekend. We're going to go finally see it. Sweet. That and, sounds uh, like fun. And then uh, Annihilation came out once again. It's all female cast going nice. into this, you know, alien life form is taking over the earth and nobody comes out alive and they're going in. Cheerful. Yeah. It was uh, It was okay. Yeah. But it's just, uh, it's amazing to see how many women characters are finally coming to the surface. Totally. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. And it's like, especially for girls growing up today, there's so much more to look up to rather than the classic role that was prescribed help forever. Me, help totally. me. So it's, yeah, it's a different game altogether compared to somebody growing up in the 1950s or even 60s. It's, yeah. so, so it's cool. It's good stuff. Excellent. It's story time, everybody! Happy Nipples, Happy Planet, DSGear.com. That's it. We got uh, this is a story that comes to us courtesy of uh, Stefan Kestin, who's um, he's a great jujitsu guy. He has a podcast, uh, sort of Theodore Roosevelt inspired title, The Strenuous Life. Um, he's a cool guy. He sent me this link that's just downright hilarious. It's about a duel that took place in 1892 between two ladies. Ooh. Which already... One was uh, Princess Pauline Metternich. Uh, I'm assuming Austria from the name. Yeah, she was the granddaughter of the famous Austrian politician, Count Metternich. So here we go. She... So we're talking late 1800s. This was lady, by the way, Metternich was a, not only she came from this big, powerful family in Austria, but just to creep you guys out right away, when she was 20, she got married to her uncle. But, you know, before we got all judging stuff, he was only her mom's half-brother. So it's all it's like, yeah, okay. So, so a lot of three-eyed children arriving yeah, shortly. Weird. They had uh, they had a bunch of kids, apparently without major genetic defects. That it's the third generation. Yeah, right. But yeah, gross. In any case, yeah, disturbing. Uh, the second lady in our story, because you need two to have a duel, is uh, uh, okay. This is gonna be a challenge to pronounce. I got the first name Anastasia, but Hilmansig. I'm not sure. It's a long, complicated Austrian name. Sounds angry. But yeah, well, of course, try to say anything in like German or something. Achtung! Exactly. Is even, yeah, it's it's pretty scary language. Yeah. So the rivalry between these two ladies um, is really just a little bit catty. There's a bit of this, uh, you know, charities and membership on the board of various charities and the who throws the best parties and the social scene and all of that and they are not so subtly maneuvering to kick the other one out and be the top one in this kind of social events and that's how it starts out so this could be the kind of story that go on all the time where you get these ladies who are like pretending to be nice to each other but really talking a lot of shit and having voodoo dolls with each other that kind of stuff but so mean girls are nothing new but that's not the way it's gonna pan out <laughs> what's the story on the second lady because Is she, she any... was uh, like daughter of some like powerful russian family but you know russian in austria they are is like you're still second fiddle so she's trying really hard to emerge as the top dog uh, the other lady, Princess Pauline Metternich, is having none of that. So, you know, the rivalry kicks in and they are just on each other's nerves all the time. Pauline versus the uncle fucker. <laughs> this is where things get interesting. In 1892, when the two ladies have major disagreements about, ready for this, how to arrange flowers for the Vienna Musical and Theatrical Exhibition. 
Because, you know, a serious disagreement about flower arrangement, that's where... This is what the duel's about. People have died for a whole lot less, right? So they are disagreeing on who has the authority to make the final decision. One was the honorary president, one was the acting president. So oh. they go back and forth. I mean, they really... This was bullshit. The real reason is they were in competition for popularity. This was a popularity contest, right? That's where it at. But they decided... And who thinks that these flowers look correct from this idiot Russian bitch? It's basically word by word what happened. They decided, you know, let's settle things with swords. Oh. So they are going to take it one step forward. They are going to go not necessarily for death, but first blood. Wow. The first one to draw blood, then that's... I never thought swords. I thought it would be the whole Alexander Hamilton. Nope. Nope. They pull out the sword... They have uh, some uh, fellow noble woman with a medical degree decide she'll be presiding over the duel and say, and she's the one. I have some question about this Baroness Lubinska because her rule for the game are interesting. The duel is about to get a lot better. Okay, not only we have this duel between these two famous aristocratic women with swords. That's a good start. But a vampire's judging it. Baroness Lubinska insists that the duel has to be topless. Now we're talking. Because now so, we're talking. Now we have a topless duel between I don't know these why. two. I've been thinking duels for pay per view for a while, but I don't know why. From the guy who came up with tits and bass as an actual fishing show. Why I didn't come up with topless duels? Topless duels is genius, right? This is the last show, man. I got shit to do. We're going to make some money. They were saying, like, you know, clothing will... Uh, her theory was... Her medical theory was interesting. She said, well, clothing, if you stab somebody, then the clothing can go inside the wound oh. and cause the sepsis. So that's why so we need to... So it's got nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's not particularly good but we're removing any potential contaminant and prevent you know like go about yeah funny i know that was went from lady duel to topless lady duel yeah we're gonna so, sell some tickets now son here we have a topless ladies duel they um one cut the other across the nose and um first you know, blood ding. yeah and not just cut pulling on the nose Pauline figure, fuck first blood, we're still in it. This is, she just stabbed me, we're close enough, so she stabbed the other one in the arm. And uh, the seconds for both women, when they see blood, they both faint, which oh. is brilliant. The two women don't, so props for toughness. The, um, and, you know, some of the men who were close by, like the uh, riding the... Um, the chariot to take them there. They are trying to rush to help, but they are probably Baroness Lubinska promptly kick them out, saying, hey, you're not coming to check out these topless women. So off they go. So, I mean, yeah, there's not much that happens after that. That's kind of the end of the tale. This is how it works out. But that's hilarious, Ben. The... So who is declared the winner? Well, it's... Uh, it's a draw. Of course, you know... Pauline was considered a winner because, you know, there's, it's actually not that clear about who actually did the cut on the nose and who did the arm stabbing part. So the historical record, I think whoever was recorded this got started laughing so hard at the topless duel that they started missing some of the aftermath. But yeah, it's a glorious story. So thank you, Stefan Kestin, for this pearl of wisdom. I just love it. The UFC's in trouble. This shit's about to be taken over. I know. Topless duels. Tonight! As soon as we pressed the stop button on this segment, Savannah came down screaming, I'm so in. She's, uh, I think she wants to be the first contestant in topless duel league. Is that how it is? Swords or what do you want to fight with? Anything? Doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Yeah, as long as it's a weapon and it's topless, it's all good. Okay, so that's, that's the plan. <laughs> After all the girl fighting, no ranting. <laughs> <laughs>
sweetness in puppies. Yeah, I mean, I have too many episodes, especially History of Fire. They are so damn dark. I've been playing with some really heavy stories. So I need, like, sweetness, puppies, flowers, butterflies, that kind of thing. I thought that's what I was here for. So, exactly. So here we go. With, uh, it's not a rant in a classical sense. It's kind of connected with something that came up in the previous episode when um, I was chatting with Corey Allen about things. I want to hammer on this, though, because I really feel that this is an important topic that I don't think we... I think it's worth paying more attention to. Like, one thing that I notice in uh, life in general, most people, in the lives of most people, is the fact that even in their most intimate relationship, even in the the relationships with people they love deeply, most people are not that affectionate, Um, especially in the U.S., where there's a lot of, uh, like, physical contact is, eh, you know, not a ton. Like, I notice the way most people on a day-to-day basis, even with their loved ones, they don't necessarily hug them and kiss them a bunch of times. They don't necessarily tell them multiple times a day that they value them, they love them. They And if it sounds cheesy or whatever, well, wait, A, fuck you. Yeah. B, um, no, because it's... You know, the classic, hey, what do you want from me? I told you I loved you 10 years ago. Isn't that enough? It's like, no, I think it's super important to let people know and feel that you value them a lot every day. It's not a, it's kind of like, it's not something that you do once and then you're good forever. It's like, A, it makes life fun. B, it makes you, you need to kind of constantly, you, you don't need to in a sense that like, oh, if you don't tell somebody 72 times a day that you love them, then they are going to feel horrible. But it's nice, you know, it's like, it's a nice thing to do, to let people feel so that even in their most, in their weakest moment, when they have self-doubt, when they have, you know, where things, they never have the thought that maybe you don't really care for them that much, that maybe you are not quite as, you know, I find it super important to just be almost over the top lovey-dovey sometimes, just to kind of, like, I don't know, I'll hug Isabella or Savannah or like 10,000 times a day, you know, because it makes me happy. And it seems to, they don't run away, so that's a plus. It seems to make them happy. I dig that. And if I can add to that, also like a habit that I got into a bunch of times and I never thought it was that healthy, like a snarky humor, like that kind of humor where your way of being around your friends or families to make everybody feel bad. Yeah. Is to put each other down. It's like, haha, isn't that funny? I said this thing to, and oh, but come on, you know that I love you. You know that we're just playing. And you know, it's kind of like, yeah, a tiny bit. A tiny bit is okay. You know, a tiny bit is kind of funny once in a while to say some outrageous thing where everybody goes like, what the fuck? The keyword being a tiny bit, you know. Once you pass a certain limit, it's... uh, Even to everybody understand that we're joking, it creates weird vibes. It creates these... uh, Memories, too, that every time I talk to him, he got something shitty to say to me. That's no way to build a relationship. No, and it's like, even when it is funny... You know, it's like funny to the jokester. It's funny to throw it. It's like really heavy spices in food. You know, you do it a little is great. You do it too much. It's it sucks. It ruins the whole thing. And and, you know, in my experience, particularly among friends, particularly, especially men do it even more than women. There's a lot of like shit talking as a way to bond. And that's how you do it is like you just talk crap about each other nonstop and say, I don't think that's the healthiest thing in the world. I think that in some way that really stand in the way of people really clicking and letting each other know that they really care about one another because all the time is like, you know, there's that joke is right around the corner, always with a snarky tone, always with a put down, always with a, and... I don't know, I've seen that happen 10 million times. I've been in environments where that's the socially acceptable thing. I've done it a million times, so it's not like it's foreign to me. But it always left me with a bad taste, with a feeling of like, why are we doing this? You know, why is it that people that I'm friends with, 85% of my interaction is shit talking about one another? That's not a very good thing, so fuck this. I never want to do it again. I don't want to have relationships that are built on that. 
you know, 1% once in a while, sure, uh, it can even be funny. More than that, stops being funny and become a shitty habit that contaminates relationships. Damaging. Yeah, absolutely. I don't get it. I, we're a crazy, like, the Oscars were last week. Mm -hmm. It's the 25th time Gretchen and I have watched the Oscars together. Mm -hmm. Everything this year is the 25th anniversary right, of, that's cool. as we march towards our 25th anniversary for real. And it's just funny, you know, for Snowstorm together was 25 years ago. Right. And I don't, you can't last 25 years just being shitty to somebody. People sadly and, do. And <laughs> I don't know and how they that poison would be each other. Life is too short, yeah. man. If someone's going to treat me that way, I would have been long gone. Yep. And plus, I can't keep my hands off of her. So, I mean, I think that's important too. Totally. I think there's that physically having, you know, physical contact where you let somebody know you love them through a hug, through a kiss, through whatever, all day long. I mean, not all day long. I mean, you got other things to do. But, you know, every day is like, it's not a once in a while kind of thing. Is to me, it's important. It keeps uh, it keeps that warmth. It keeps that love, uh, not as a theoretical thing like oh, we know we love each other, but something that you feel. You know, it's funny. Um, our feet, even if we're in a fight, our feet don't care. They They've still, got their own relationships. Uh, like, These motherfuckers will settle this eventually, but come over here. I'm cold. That's hilarious. It's just one of those crazy things. Like even in the. Because, you know, things have never been perfect. That would be ridiculous to hope for. Right. But, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I also have always felt I was really lucky to bump into her. the right person at the last mm -hmm. possible second. And uh, off it went. But, no, that's a terrible thought. Why yeah. don't people hold hands? Why is everybody so fucking angry? Yeah, I mean, even, like, I go... I go to pick up Isabella's at school, and sometimes both me and Savannah go together... And when you look around, I think we're, I don't think I've ever seen, maybe once I saw somebody, some parents actually hold hands or be even remotely physically affectionate with one another. Even when there's two of them, it's always like they walk side by side. There's never any, I'm just like, this is so weird. That's crazy. Yep. There's something terribly, terribly wrong. Yep, 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 yep. So I guess do the opposite and you're good, <laughs> you know? Well, it can't hurt, but you can't force it either. No, I mean, no, no. It can be forced, but it, of course, if it's not something that you want to do, there's something wrong. Yeah. There's ask yourself why that is, because it's a little odd. But so that's my love each other campaign. Just be sweet to one another, hugs and kisses. Uh, after you listen to too much Milai and Sankrik Massacre. You're going to need it. Yeah, you need it. So that's the good counterbalance. Well, there's also the notion that you never know when the last time that person goes out the door. Well, on that real happy note. That, no, I mean, of course. And, it's, uh, and you want to... Yeah, man. It's like, as you say, life is too short. You want to make it, you wanna make it good every moment, every day, as much as humanly possible. Why and you're going to fail a lot. But... Sure. Don't, don't try, don't hit. Absolutely. Well, the funky music means that's the end of another fine, positive episode. Of the Drunken Dallas podcast. Wow, just no solutions, but a lot of dreams. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think solutions are individual, which are a lot easier than so social solutions. Good luck. Individual, yeah, you can do it. Um, be disciplined, motherfucker. Hug people. Uh, work on yourself on wanting to, you know, who you want to be and make sure every single day you work to live up to those ideals. Be clear on what those ideals are and work every day to make it happen. So the individual solutions, I think, are very much there. Yeah, I didn't stop the, with the flame wars. It doesn't make any sense yeah, anymore. Yeah, totally. It's funny. You, you post something, and you're either going to get one or two things. You're going to get your pals that are like, yeah! yeah. Or, or you're going to get, eh, blah, 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 blah. Here's all the reasons you are wrong. 
it cannot be good for us. I don't think the social media is good for us at all. No, I think honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that, I mean, there are a couple of things that I like about social media. There's Cat uh, videos. Yeah, that's the um, putting out, you know, stuff that I put out for History on Fire or something. It helps for sure to let people know the episodes are there. And once in a while, I do get messages or things that are things that I would not be aware of otherwise. So there is a plus. There are also lots of minuses. So I think is a how much like moderation is key with social media. Use it, but don't be with you know Facebook, Twitter open all day. That's probably not as healthy. Yeah, especially when it's people are sneaking stuff in on you. Yeah, there's all that. But speaking of people, let's say thank you to the sweet folks who have donated since the last episode. I thank you, folks. Here we go with Matt Chebre. Michael Gates, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, and Samuel McNichol. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, as usual, the trifecta of our sponsors, Onnit, Datsusara, and Shore Design. You guys know the drill. We mentioned in the intro. There are links in the episode notes. Check out their catalogs. They have lots of great products. And, uh, and I mentioned also Never Tap Gear that sponsors Savannah with some pretty awesome knee braces for working out so that your joints are more stable and your knees more likely to survive whatever workout you put them through. Um, how's Kiva going? Man, it's creeping towards 100,000. That's awesome. It is. It'll be really fun cool. to reach that point. That's very, very, that's a milestone right there. If you can do that, you can do a quarter million. Yep, that's brilliant. Those uh, folks are serious about it, man. I mean, there's only it's like 209 kind folks that have joined us, but they have like six 16 loans a piece at this point. So it keeps going great. Sweet. Uh, what else do we got? We got... Uh, we got our friends at Daisy House. They got course. a new single out. So go to Bandcamp slash Daisy House and go buy a copy of their record. Send them a couple dollars to thank them for letting us have what's clearly the most epic theme song. Yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And I think with that, we wrap and wish you a very good day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dowitz Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.